right after the resurrection of Jesus, the Apostle Thomas expressed some cynicism regarding the fact of that resurrection. And that expression, uh, that doubt, has had him tagged Doubting Thomas ever since. I want us to take another look at him today and see if that label captures the whole story. I'm Russell Howard and this is Beyond the Notes. through life at different seasons and in different circumstances, if you're like me, you've picked up, I don't know, uh, short-term nicknames. Maybe in a, in a particular uh, ball game, you made a great catch, and so you had some nickname that lasted a week or two regarding your great catch. Or perhaps in class, you ask a dumb question, and so for a couple of, of weeks, you you got called some nickname. I went to I went to a high school with a guy who, as a high school student, denied the reality of the Apollo launches. His last name was Plummer, and so we always used to call him Moonshot because he said that the Apollo things didn't happen. You can get a nickname for lots of reasons. Some of them aren't any fun. The Apostle Thomas, Thomas Didymus, Thomas the Twin, as he's called in one place, has come to be doubting Thomas because of one line that he spoke 2,000 years ago. Well, I, I, I want to stick up for him just a little bit because I'm not certain that's entirely fair. So the good news is there's not a whole lot of biblical content to look at with Thomas, and this is not a, just a whole long podcast. So it seems to me we have time to take a look at what the Word of God actually teaches about Thomas and perhaps learn some things from his, in some cases, quite good example. Uh, Thomas is only mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Gospels we're not teaching through on Sunday mornings of late. He's only mentioned in those three Gospels one time each. And in each of those other three Gospels, he's only mentioned as a name in a list of the 12 disciples. So other than name in a list, one time, there's literally nothing about Thomas in the book of Matthew, the book of Mark, or the book of Luke. We have no detail regarding his early life. We have no detail about the circumstances under which Jesus called him to be a disciple. There's no walking along the Sea of Galilee, calling him away from his nets like there is with Peter, James, and John. There's no pulling him out of his tax collector's booth like we have with Matthew. There's none of that. No one even mentions the, the, uh, the sort of additional name Didymus, which means the twin, in any of the other Gospels. That's all only in John. In John, he only speaks three times. There are only three sort of scenes where Thomas gets a line. Doesn't mean that Thomas spent his entire adult life not talking, but only three times does the Gospel of John reflect what he has to say. And the first time is actually fairly late in Jesus's ministry. It's around the resurrection of Lazarus, early in John 11. At the end of John chapter 10, the, the people of Judea attempt to stone Jesus informally because of his claim that he and the Father are one. And so Jesus leaves that region and goes to be in, in another part of the Holy Land. 
But then he hears that Lazarus is ill and he announces that, that he will be going back toward the heart of Judea to Bethany to participate in, uh, he says, seeing to it that Lazarus, um, that Lazarus' story at this moment does not lead to death. Uh, everyone thought that meant get to Bethany in time to heal Lazarus. You and I know it meant get to Bethany to raise Lazarus from the dead for the glory of God. But when Jesus announces that he's going back to that place, back to Bethany, verse 13 of John 11, Jesus had spoken of his, uh, now Jesus had spoken of Lazarus's death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, verse 14, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now, the disciples believe that returning to Judea is a death sentence for Jesus because of the, the sentiment that has grown against him. And Lazarus says in John eleven sixteen, 16, <coughs> I mean, pardon me, Thomas says in John eleven sixteen. 16, so Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, if you want to see Thomas as sort of the perennial doubter, if you want to kind of see Thomas as an Eeyore personality, then you can impose a, a tone of voice on this that basically says, well, if he's going to go to Judea to die, I guess we may as well all go and die too. And you can do that. Uh, there's nothing that, that in the text that says that that's absolutely wrong, but it doesn't seem to fit the moment. Uh, I, I would suggest that rather than being morose here, Thomas is being a bit valiant. And what he's saying is, look, if the Lord that I'm following is going to a place that's dangerous for him, then I'm going with him to a place that's dangerous for me. And you all ought to all come to, if Jesus is going to die, let's all go and be prepared to die with him. There, in that moment, I believe there was more courage than hopelessness in Thomas's statement. <clears throat> the second time Thomas speaks, just a couple of chapters later in John 14, actually three chapters later in John 14, Jesus has been talking. This is in the heart of his last night of teaching, that Thursday night discourse that takes up so many chapters in the Gospel of John. Uh, Jesus has just pronounced the, the truth to Simon Peter that Simon Peter is going to deny him three times in the course of, of this night before the rooster crows. And apparently in the white space between the end of chapter 13 where Jesus says that and the start of chapter 14, Peter makes a very discouraged face. Maybe some of the other disciples in the room are sort of weighed down and discouraged as well. And in John 14, 1, Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I, have, uh, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know the way where you're going. Now, look, I'm not going to ever say that it's smart to flatly contradict the statement Jesus just made. And so Thomas, in that moment, um, I don't think he's necessarily arguing as much as he is saying, all right, Lord, you say we know this. If I'm supposed to know this, I, I, I don't feel like I do. Lord, we, we don't know the way where you're going. 
uh, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Um, now, now look, brothers, sisters, I just think that's an honest question. I just think he's, he's dealing with matters that he knows are larger than his understanding is in this moment. And again, it's a bad idea to contradict Jesus, to word it the way he worded it, but it's not a stupid question. And it certainly doesn't express a heart that is centered on doubt. I'm so glad that you and I can ask God our real questions. And God is never going to uh, hang the label doubter on you just because you bring him your honest questions. And if you don't have any honest questions, if you've got it all figured out, then you should be sitting here doing this instead of me, I suppose, or start your own um, podcast about the, I don't have any doubts any time, but we do. And Thomas's flaw here is that he expresses them. And I don't see any, any difficulty with that. The third time, the time we covered just, just this last Lord's Day, I don't know why Thomas was not with the disciples when they first gathered uh, early on that evening of Resurrection Sunday. He missed the early part of the evening at least. You can impose reasons. You can come up with stuff. Maybe he was too afraid. Maybe he was out of the loop. Maybe he was, but there's nothing in scripture that says anybody officially called this meeting. There's nothing in scripture that says Thomas was out of God's will to miss this meeting. He simply wasn't with them when they gathered. Okay. And because of that, he missed when Jesus appeared to them the first time and said, examine my wounds carefully so that you will know I'm alive. And then later when Thomas came in, and the disciples said to him, Jesus is alive. Thomas basically said, I won't believe he's alive until I examine his wounds closely. Well, Jesus had already specifically given the others the opportunity to examine his wounds closely. All Thomas was asking is, can I be brought up to speed? I just don't see an inordinate amount of doubt there. Should he have known the resurrection was coming? All of them should have known the resurrection was coming. But until they experienced the resurrected Christ for themselves, they, they didn't have the complete confidence that perhaps the teaching of Jesus along and along should have given them. Uh, and when Jesus did show up, Thomas very quickly confessed, my Lord and my God. And I'll leave you with this. Now, admittedly, this is legend, not scripture. With those three passages, by the way, John 11, John 14, John 20, we've looked at everything the scripture has on Thomas. But there's some things in church history that I think are intriguing. And it's pretty reliable. Now, in the early, early centuries of the church, sometimes church history and church legend kind of get all over each other. Um, and it can be difficult to say what is history and what is legend. But when there's a, a pretty good body of, of information, it's, it's easy to conclude that there's probably some valid history there. And if, if the body of material around the, early, or the later ministry of the Apostle Thomas is to be believed, there are several uh, Christian groups in India that claim that their origin goes back to the evangelism of Thomas the Apostle, who by the mid-50s A.D., 
uh, had left. He doesn't show up in the book of Acts. And, and uh, I believe it's because by the mid-A.D. 50s, he had already traveled east and south out of the Holy Land and had carried the gospel to Southeast Asia. I believe that Thomas was the first evangelistic witness into um, solid, solid le legend says that various places in India. Uh, there are some footnotes to that legend that say he went north into what is now China and that he went further southeast into what is now uh, Indonesia. I don't know any of this, but I would pretty well uh, state with confidence that Thomas evangelized in Asia. This was not a doubter. This was a man of great faith who brought his Lord, his honest questions, and confessed his truth and confessed truth passionately once the Lord had proven himself to Thomas. So, doubting Thomas, not over in this corner. Faithful Thomas. And if you've ever got doubts, bring them to Jesus, let him address them, and you go forward in faithfulness, not doubting. Hey, by now, I hope that you're sharing this podcast. I hope that you like it, not just like it, but actually like it. And if you're a podcast listener, I bet you know the difference in what I just said. Really glad to have you with us. Look forward to seeing you again on Beyond the Notes.